more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. Good afternoon, Kelly. How are you? I'm great, Lynn. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. It's um, it's actually the weekend, and we normally don't record on the weekend, so it has a little bit of a different feel to it. <laughs> and uh, I guess you're out and about, because on a weekend, you have a lot of responsibilities that involve <laughs> driving. So It's true. I, so they involve driving and then, and then being stuck places. So yes, I am yes. uh, sitting outside of a cello and violin performance ensemble waiting for that rehearsal oh, to finish. So Lovely. Well, I hope yeah. nobody honks at you. Could, do you have a little sign on your car that says we're recording now? Yeah. <laughs> Podcast on recording. air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know while you're out and about and like when I'm out and about, we listen to podcasts and, um, you also know, but I don't think that I've shared with our listeners just how fascinated I've become with ChatGPT. And, <laughs> and if you haven't heard about ChatGPT, just stop everything you're doing right now and Google it. I don't care if you're out running or driving. This is really a fascinating thing. So it's an AI uh, application. And I won't get into the details of it, but it's gone really viral and it has penetrated schools. It only came out in November and they've already had something like 30 million people sign up for it. I hear that it is being used by 5 million people every single day. So pretty phenomenal. So now it'll be 5 million and one because <laughs> you and I are going to, this is our challenge. We're challenging Jet GPT on its knowledge of intentional communities. So we okay. thought what we would do is test whether we could just actually turn over this whole podcast to chat GPT, or is our human involvement still needed in this exercise? <laughs> when this just feels like a Victorian parlor game in 2023. Yes. <laughs> Love Good. Let's okay. see what it says. Okay. So what it says, and so we've got like four or five questions that we've asked ChatGPT, and then we are going to critique it. Um, because there are some, and I don't know if you've seen or heard this, Kelly, but there's some English teachers who think it's a great tool, can be used for learning, but others um, will give any essay that their students have used ChatGPT for a D, and then use it as a class model on <laughs> how not to write an essay. So, <laughs> Well, uh, what I want to know is how they can tell, because I always fail those quizzes. You know, they have those that are like, did a robot write this or did a fourth grader? And I can't tell the difference between a robot and a fourth grader, apparently. Okay. Well, should we should we just kick out though? So the first question here, I, I was sitting around asking my husband what he thought about this. And the first question actually comes from him. And mm -hmm. his question was, why don't you ask him, and this is something he gets asked, apparently, how do you screen people for an intentional community? Mm, okay. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of words into this, but I'll just read that kind of the first paragraph and then I'll read the points very succinctly that it came back with. So the first paragraph says, screening potential members for an intentional community is an important step in creating a safe and harmonious living environment. And then it lists, let me see how many, six things to consider that you should you know, use in your uh, process. So the first one is, review the application. So 
you know, they're suggesting that you have some sort of a, um, <laughs> that, there is an application. that there is an application, which, you know, we don't have, but okay, we'll, we'll critique this in a minute. Conduct interviews, check references, assess values and beliefs, discuss community agreements, and consider previous community experience. So what do you think about all that? Is that, a pr- I mean, and there's a lot of description around each one of those, but actually not too bad of a list. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not too bad. I like the discuss previous community experience mm. one. To me, that one is um, is a valuable, that, that is something that I, as a non-AI human, would say <laughs> that somebody yeah. should do. Because I do think you glean a lot of information um, from people about what their previous community experiences were, what they learned from them, mm-hmm. what they're hoping to get out of a new one. Um, so I do agree with that. So what parts do resonate with you? Well, in terms of resonating, I felt like the review application, conduct interviews and check references, all of that to me is kind of boiled into right now our explorer phase. So people, mm-hmm. you know, come in as an explorer and we we let anybody, you know, off the street come in and be an explorer because you just never know. And yeah. we feel like we're imperfect screeners and you might inadvertently you know, whatever mechanism you could come up with might inadvertently discount somebody who could turn out to be a great member. So you don't know until you really, you know, brush shoulders with people and get to know them better. So the thing this doesn't consider, and we haven't really figured this out in great detail yet, is what all this would be like once you have moved in, because you can't go you know, screening people in the same way. The Fair Housing Act is going to govern how we allow people to buy property there. The other thing that I think this doesn't capture, or maybe it's like there are two two different pathways you could go down. So one pathway would be, you know, this kind of uh, someone brings me an application. I'm in the seat, decision-making seat. Um, you know, that person is in the supplicant seat and this is how it goes. But then another way of looking at community building, I think, is to look at it a little bit differently. And instead of saying, you know, this person's going to apply to be part of our community, but rather to look at like, how will our community grow from having Mm. this person in our midst? How will our community benefit and change from having somebody who is, you know, different from us in our community? Um, how does this person, what what drew them here? You know, why yeah. are they interested in being here? I feel like the chat GPT answer, like chat GPT or any other AI, is very, um, it measures and acknowledges the things that it can see. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like in community, you actually get better results if you trust in the things that you can't see. And have mm-hmm. a sense of openness and creativity about the people who you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. You tend to have better relationships and better better community when you when you kind of come come with to people that way. I love that. So it's, this is presenting as kind of a transactional process that you can describe yeah. and flowchart and uh, have criteria around, as opposed to the intangibles that are really make up the magic of life and living with people. Because yeah, well, there might be people who just look terrible on paper and yet yeah. are amazing community members, yeah. you know, yeah. really? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. 
So we're, mm, it's a good starting point maybe, but it doesn't cover <laughs> yeah. all the bases. Okay. So, yeah. but, so what, how would we grade that? C, maybe a C? Mm. I don't know. I don't really want to grade it. Cause again, it's like, it only sees the things that it can see. So for okay. what it does, it does fine. Not bad. Okay. It just doesn't do what we are doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this so if you leads... want a co-housing robot community, it would be yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this is a great lead in to the next question, which is also a question that we get really very often. And that is, what do you do if someone joins your community and you don't get along with them? Mm. What does the robot say? Well, the robot says, um, if this happens, it's important to address the issue as soon as possible. Here are some steps to consider. Number one, have an open and honest conversation. And it goes on to explain it. Number two, seek mediation. Number three, revisit the community agreements. Number four, assess the impact on the community. And number five, consider a solution that works for everyone. And that long uh, each one of these has a longer description but i thought it was interesting that on number five the final sentence of it all is um in extreme cases suggest that they leave the community so <laughs> <laughs> so even ai acknowledges that it's not for everyone <laughs> yeah. yeah but actually i thought it was pretty good because it seems like yeah. in a lot of our processes we have said that how are we going to enforce any of our agreements it's all about starting out first with the one-on-one -on -one conversation, you know, mm -hmm. then move. If that doesn't work, you know, move to maybe involve somebody else. And if that doesn't work then go back and revisit, you know, the agreements. And I thought it really kind of lined up quite nicely with mm -hmm. what we have actually talked about. Yeah, I agree. And the thing that I like about it is that it's, I like that there are kind of five points um, as opposed to, although maybe that was one of your parameters, it had to be a five. five no, I didn't. Sentence. I didn't tell no. it. I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that there are multiple steps to it. Of mm -hmm. you know, if this doesn't work, then try this. If this, if the pr problem persists, then keep you know keep going. Um, I I really like that because I think that sometimes you know problems can even small problems that don't seem like that big of a deal. If people are not in a place where they're able to work on it collaboratively, then it might take some time and some steps of going through different levels of uh, looking at the conflict before yeah. you can come to something. Yeah. And yeah, I did read it. Yeah. And, and I just want to add on to that um, to just build on what you're saying as well. In number five, the last step, there's there's a, a little rich phrase in there, which I really liked was reevaluate the person's role in the community. Which, I, which ties in very nicely with some of the stuff I've heard in some uh, co-housing training and, and mm -hmm. that I listened to recently. So I thought that's very nice. Mm -hmm. very nice. I do like that. That's probably okay. where they got it, though, Lynn, you know. The oh, AI my <laughs> Duh, of course. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. So the next question that we have is... Um, a one that we get in various flavors as well from people. And I thought it was really funny that when I asked this question, and I'll tell you in a minute what it is, my, um, my, the, the service crashed. So I don't know if that was just coincidental. You broke the, you broke. Well, it chat. just crashed on me and it says, oops, we seem to be having problems. And I had oh. to log back in. So here's the question. Does consensus decision-making really work? Mm, and right. when, when, when the service came back to life and I asked it again, 
it seemed to spin forever before it finally spit out something that does not have five points. So it's a little trickier to convey here on our podcast. Um, so let me see how to best, um, it says that, you know, it kind of describes consensus decision-making um, mm-hmm. first saying, you know, it's a process to ensure that all voices are heard and everyone has an equal say. Um, whether or not it works, they say, depends on the context and situation. So it doesn't mm-hmm. give any details okay. saying in some cases, consensus decision-making can lead to well-thought-out and inclusive decisions that have buy-in from everyone. However, consensus decision-making can also be time-consuming and may not always result in a clear decision if there are disagreements or conflicting interests among participants. And, you know, I just I just want to stop there because I thought that was kind of interesting that I personally have sometimes struggled to have good recall on some of our decisions when I've just haven't had a leading role in it and there's been a lot of conversation. And so this point here around, um, it might not be, it may not lead to a clear decision. It made me wonder like what we can do when we have had a lot of conversation around something to, to really help people remind, you know, remember how we've kind of landed it, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting too. I think it's uh, a pretty good, good statement too. I mean, it it's a little bit difficult without examples because I can think of, you know, like you don't want consensus decision making, you know, in a fire. <laughs> like you want well, command and control yes. and somebody to put out the fire, you know, like that's, um, but you also don't want, you know, you also don't want consensus decision making if there's only one outcome that's, you know, that is even, even possible for the group, then you're not really making, you're not really joining in consensus. Then you're really just kind of understanding and educating yourselves about something. Um, The, the thing that I think is often that, that they're getting at with the, like, it can sometimes not be clear is I think that when people need to uh, agree to something and vote yes or no on it, you often, I'd be interested to see if people remember as clearly the wording of the things that they said yes to as Mm. they do to the things they said no to. Because I have noticed that when I'm voting on like constitutional amendments, you know, you read through those things. And the ones that I agree with, honestly, I don't even remember what was in them. But the one Ones that I disagree with, I could tell you what is in that thing because I really disagreed with it. So I wonder if there's something to be Kelly, I don't know about you that. Just, yeah, this is a light bulb moment for me. This explains everything about why I cannot remember anything about the pet policy. I actually <laughs> don't care about the pet policy. Yeah, because you kind of because you've rubbed off all the sharp edges by the time the whole community yeah. is ready to join in consensus about something, then then we've all of the sharp edges have been have been you know rubbed off yeah. either by listening or by deciding that it's not that important to you or you know whatever however whatever path mm-hmm. you take in that role and in that conversation and on that topic um yeah i think there's something to that that mm-hmm. if you but if you 
if you disagreed with it and the whole community went mm. forward, you know, if we voted on something mm. and you were in the 49% minority that didn't vote for it, I think you'd pretty much well remember exactly the things that oh, you didn't well, agree with. Yes. Just think of our political system right now. Everybody remembers yeah. when they lost whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just so I just want to read the last paragraph because um, we haven't touched on this at all. Kind of their concluding paragraph, um, because there's a there's a piece at the end I want to just, you know, highlight a little bit. And that is ultimately the effectiveness of consensus decision making depends on a variety of factors, including the size of the group, the nature of the decision being made, as we've just discussed, and the communication skills and willingness of participants to compromise and work mm. towards a solution that is acceptable to all. And mm -hmm. this, to me, taps into this thing that was a light bulb moment of mine I've shared about is this moving away from my preference and moving towards what is the best answer for the group. So yeah. solution yep. that's acceptable to all. And I would even put in there is best for all. Yep. You know, yep. or best for the greater good, you know, so. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. That there, and that's why some topics are really challenging because there's no clear mm. best for the community. You know, like is mm. the common house, if it were pale green or pale mm. brown, you know, like which is better? Yeah. It doesn't. It's they're it's yeah, like you. Well, we've talked about this, right? The aesthetics. Um, yeah, they particularly need. Difficult. Yeah, they need almost kind of like a different approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep need to have those people who really care and those who don't so yeah yeah and separate the two and let those that care dash it out and hope, <laughs> hope they're friends at the end okay um so so this led me to actually act asking it then kind of a secondary question so i then went back and asked it okay what would be the optimal conditions for successful decision making which it, now it goes into its kind of this process mode that we were talking about before it was kind mm -hmm. of very transactional, the robot. So the robot uh, has now come back with pretty good. I like this. It says a, a well-defined process, number one, two, mm -hmm. effective communication, number three, diverse perspectives, number four, trust and respect, number five, willingness to compromise, number six, adequate time and resources, and number seven, flexibility. It's really had a lot mm. to say. It went to seven. Yeah. It so, doesn't say anything, though, about shared interests. Uh, no, it does not. Hmm. It must It must think that's like sort of a your starting point. Yeah, I mean, maybe under, it assumes you already have that. Well, maybe number four, trust and respect. A culture of trust and respect among participants is essential Participants should feel comfortable expressing their opinion now, but that's different. That's different than what you're asking about. Yeah, because I'm kind of reflecting on the the um, advice that we've heard that as you build up your kind of decisions that you've made as a group, at some point, look back at them and extract mm. your values from them. You know, you've made a bunch yeah. of decisions. For example, in our group, we decided not to go forward with a um, holding on to a large purchase because uh, we would have lost some members of our group um, right. who wouldn't have been able to stay in financially. And so we decided to. So now when we look back on that, I can say with you know confidence that we 
value uh, connection with the neighbors we have. You know, we mm-hmm. we value that, and we're willing to make decisions that that value that connection. So anyway, so it's interesting to me that it doesn't have any like you should, you know, have your values clearly defined. Or you should, you know, even think about them as you're making decisions together. Yeah. That's interesting to that me. That is a definite yeah. gap. I think that is a gap. I think you should write to them. Yeah. Well, it's a robot. So he doesn't really have, or she, or it doesn't really have value. Well, that so just goes to show you that the body of knowledge in the universe does not necessarily take this aspect. Into <laughs> There's more than the internet. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. So I, there's, I think we want to finish up with this uh, question about what does community mean? And I um, actually asked two questions there that it really had a hard time answering. I mean, it took a long time. I was in near crash, crash mode again. Oh, no. Its brain really worked hard on this. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you the two questions and then you tell me how you want to deal with them. You might want to just throw one away. But the two questions that I asked were, what does community mean? And then kind of the second one, secondarily, I asked it, how is an intentional community different from other communities? Hmm. Well, I kind of want to hear both because, but is the first one very definitional? Is it very just like, this is what the word community means? Yeah, but it's actually not bad. But my favorite answer is the intentional community one. Okay, well, let's go with your favorite answer. Tell me. I I would like to just put this on the website, you know, so you can shoot (laughs) holes in it. If you, you know, help me, help me make it better. But I like this. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll take it in a few chunks, but an intentional community is a type of community that is created and defined by a specific purpose or shared values. Back to your other discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than simply by geographic proximity or common interests. Members of an intentional community usually choose to live together because they are committed to a particular way of life or have a shared vision for the future. I like that, don't you? Yeah, I like that. I think that's good. It's a it's te- it's a very kind of dictionary explanation though, because the thing that you I come think- from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I think it um misses is when we ask that question um in, in an information session or we ask we ask people with some frequency, like what does community mean to you or you know, what is, we don't ask that specifically, like what is an intentional community to you? But we often say to people, well, what is, what resonates with you about community or what, what does community mean to you? And I don't think anyone would come back with that answer. They certainly haven't yet because they come back with answers like, you know, when I was 24 and I lived on a base halfway around the world Mm -hmm. and I didn't know anyone and it was Thanksgiving and my neighbor held Thanksgiving for, you know, 35 people, none of whom had known each other before. And it meant so much to me. And I guess that's the thing is that all everyone's stories about community have some version of it meant so much to me. And that definition doesn't include include that. So like maybe an intentional community is a community that means so much to someone that they will intentionally continue that community or continue that feeling. Mm. You know what I think you're hitting on is with all of this is that 
thinking about living differently like this and living in a community is is a is is really best communicated through some sort of personal experience which is through stories and helping yeah. people find some experience in their past that that clicks for them when they try to translate it to what we're talking about so you're trying to build that bridge between what they've experienced emotionally in the past and what we're talking about as a potential future. And you can only do that through stories. You can't do it through chat GPT. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sadly or happily, actually very happily. You can't but we do still that. have a, we still have a podcast that's worth doing. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes. I think you're right. I think that that is the, that is the foundation of it, that people's uh, affection for one another really lives in their stories. And you just don't get that when you only look at the world through a process and um, kind of transactional way. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, okay. Chat Does it make GPT. you love your chat GPT any less though, Lynn? Well, Maybe a little. Not, it doesn't have as much heart as I was hoping <laughs> it might. But it's a fun toy. There you go. It's a fun toy. I'm gonna. If I need something clinical for something, I will go to this place. But if I need a story and something with a heart, I might still go and use it as a launch pad. But still, anyway. <laughs> thanks for thanks. the ride. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Well, listen. Um, good luck with the. Uh, Hey, by the way, why are you not inside the recital? Why are you sitting in your car doing this? Because it's me? too loud. We couldn't record if I were in there. I know, but you're supposed to be listening to your kids, aren't you? <laughs> okay. She's a, she's a good mom, really. She, she's <laughs> okay, we well, have a great day. And we'll we'll uh, talk again next week. Okay. Bye Thanks, bye. Lynn. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.